0: Guys, gals and non-binary pals, welcome back to another episode of the Cinemax podcast, the podcast where we take different movies every week and debate and rate them. My name is Cal Altimus. I am one of your hosts and joining me as he every episode, looking very dapper today, is Mr Nathan Sackle-Hannah.
1: How are you doing? I'm not bad, like I just said, I came straight from work and I really couldn't be asked to get dressed, but it's a rom-com episode so it's like I've... Dressed up for a date, and I imagine that's what you'd wear for a date as well. So <laughs> hey,
0: it's been that long since I had a first date. I don't know what the fuck. I think I actually made an effort the first time I met Eleanor, that's when I went straight away. But the first time we met, I think I led her under false pretenses, and I look really good. Um, but yeah, from there on, funny shorts always, uh, my way forward. Um, but yeah, we are doing a couple of rom coms. Sorry, how are you this week? Oh, yeah, I'm all right, yeah. i tell you what, I'll say it last week. I was about to start me week-long of shifts. One more one more to go and I'm off. I've got to get through tomorrow and then I've got a couple of days off. And I'm excited. I need a freaking break. Long week? I mean, very long. Um, I mean, I love my job. But there's been some big news in, like, football and wrestling this week. So there's been a lot of stuff, like, needed covering. Like, um, I know you don't care about football, but, like, the Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp, announced he was leaving uh- earlier.
1: Yeah, I saw
0: that. I saw that. So I had to write an article ranking every single one of the signings made at Liverpool over the last eight years, which is 45 players. And it got to about 5,000 words and took me about four hours. <laughs> it was long as shit. But who am I to complain? I get to write about oh, football, uh,
1: football. Is it Vince McMahon?
0: Oh, yeah. There's some, there's some drama about that old bum and all.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've, not, I've only seen bits and bobs because obviously I don't follow it. I pretty much see what you've shared and stuff. Yeah. You've been pooing on people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's some fucking we- really weird shit in those uh lawsuits. So hopefully that crusty bastard is sent somewhere. No one ever sees him again. Um but yeah, I'm all right. Uh I'm excited because we are now entering the month of February, the month of Valentine's. So we're doing an entire month of rom-coms and we are starting off.
1: Which I've immediately regretted. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It was your idea and you immediately regret it because we're starting off with two of like the quintessential 90s rom-coms, which a lot of people regard as some of the very best, um, both by Nora Ephron, who is very famous for her work in the rom-com genre that she wrote When Harry Met Sally. Um, and she directed both of these. We're doing Sleepless in Seattle, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, against You've Got Mail, Starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Um, like I said, these two are regarded as classics by like serious like rom com fans and stuff. And I know you don't really watch the genre. So, in terms of not bad big rom coms, no. how many? How, how familiar are you with rom coms? How many? Like, would you say you've watched many of like the big famous ones or not? Uh,
1: no, I think the only rom. I mean, the one that I really like. Well, I don't know if it's a rom com, but it's definitely one of the. Is it is it correct to say girly movie? But like traditionally, um, the the biggest one that I've seen that I really love, I love and you hate is Dirty Dancing. Yeah, that's that one's dodgy. But the, the one definite rom com that I know I love and I will defend it forever is not defend. It doesn't need defending. You've not seen it yet, but Crazy Stupid Love that is that is the best one of all time. Um, that is um, held in very high regard. Yeah. But, that, but outside of that, no, not really. Because obviously, as a lad I've grown up, like, I'm not watching that shit. Um, but and as I've grown older, obviously, with partners I've watched stuff, but it's never really been anything that I've been really interested in. They just all... I mean, we'll get into it here with these two films, but I see all the faults rather than all the, all the romantic bits, and I'm like, well, that's fucking not not Right. But well, we'll get into that.
0: Yeah, I'm obviously much more of a romcom guy. I mean, as a teenager, I think I was the same. I was like, I ain't watching that. It's too girly or too soppy. And then as I got to about 15, 16, I was like, now nah, fuck that. Give me, give me Freddie Prince Jr. and she's all that. Like, what a fucking film. Like, just I could, I could watch them. Well, I love, I, I mean, I enjoy them. I mean, I'm not like um, a hopeless romantic. I'm the same as you in the sense that I watch them and I think that is not acceptable like yes. <laughs> we should not be glossing over what the fuck we're seeing right now and especially with all the ones like these um you do notice some serious some seriously questionable behavior um but yeah sleepless in seattle not sleeping with seattle like i accidentally said to you the other day i don't know where the fuck i got that from no uh, idea what that
1: is no idea I've, whatsoever i've watched sleeping with seattle and you've got males it's they were very weird films. A lot of hardcore pornography. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you had, they might have got a better score than what you've given these, not to give too much away. It would not um, males, but definitely Sleeping with Seattle, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, we are doing Sleepless in Seattle versus You've Got Mail because, like I said, to, like, most people, these two are regarded as two of the biggest movies in the romantic comedy genre. Um, and two are like, the best examples especially from the 90s when rom-coms seem to be like one of the biggest things going in movies um we'll get straight into them because we chose these because it's directed and written by the same person Nora efron the star in the exact same two people tom hanks and meg ryan it actually just made sense to do them against each other that could have been weird if we did one against anything else as um certain someone that we both know felt like they needed to let me know in a message earlier this week. I got a message like you better not be doing this against anything other than uh you've got mail.
1: Is it my sister-in-law by any chance? Uh
0: I'm not naming names.
1: <laughs> not giving her the air time. No, not at all. I mean, yes, I see, as soon as I, as soon as we posted the first clip from sleepless in Seattle. Do you know what now I'm thinking, is it am I because we've been joking calling it sleeping with up all week. I've been in my head I'm like, is it sleepless in Seattle, well, I'm confusing myself, but yeah, she messaged me being like, Um, this might be the act, this might be the one I actually listened to. Charming, at least, least she fucking cares, eh? At least she cares. Um,
0: be impressed she won't actually be happy with the episode, I don't think. No, I don't. Let's get straight into it then, because uh, we've both got, we said this before so we've got a lot of thoughts on this one, so. We'll start off with a story in both movies. Um, They're they're very different in that sense. Like they've got the same cast, but the stories are quite different. In Sleeping, Sleeping, in Sleepless in Seattle, you've got... Gonna get um, home. It's essentially a couple of stories. You've got a man who's grieving the loss of his wife who moves to uh, Seattle with his young son. And his young son recognises how lonely his dad is and decides to ring a radio station and let... People, the entire of United States essentially know that his dad needs a new partner, um, and one woman who hears that, <laughs> you are sorry,
1: essentially rings up tells the country his dad ain't getting laid. Yeah, yeah, that's tragic.
0: Um, and one woman who hears that is Meg Ryan's character Annie Reed, who lives across the country, but is for some reason just captured by he, Tom Hanks's character Sam speaking on the radio to Doctor Martha fieldstone I think the character is called the radio host who we never actually see um and he explains to the radio host why he loves his wife um what she meant to him and for some reason that's enough for Annie Reed to be like Do you know what Fuck it let's just go and the entire movie is just essentially her just being kind of obsessed with the <laughs> man's character and
1: just like wait before like, our opinions let's describe it a bit nicer well uh, what what better word is there because she becomes enamored enamored okay
0: or enchanted enchanted with the thought of just meeting him um and she believes destiny is means they should be together like she's destined to be with him despite the fact she's engaged but that's neither here nor there um um and then she tries to meet him she reaches out and eventually they do obviously meet as all rom-coms go there's a nice happy ending for the two of them and they meet right at the end. It's it's an interesting one because it's one of the rare romcoms where there's not really any interaction between the characters until the end. Like they're kept apart throughout the entire thing, apart from like the the little moment in the airport or on the near the beach when she's across the road. But the real first conversation is right at the end of the movie, which is not something you usually see in like romcoms.
1: Just remind me to talk about what I want to talk about in the closing category because I've just
0: I've just I've got so many opinions. I will. We'll get there. Um, and then in the st- in You've Got Mail, it's much more of a, a typical like enemies to lovers stereotype where it's two people who have been conversing through emails with each other and they've kind of really gotten to know each other without knowing each other essentially, but they've kind of grown this connection through emails and when they actually meet in person, after a brief like event, when they meet originally, they get on quite well, but then Obviously, we have both working for very different companies in the same field. There's a clash of personalities, and they eventually hate each other. But it all comes full circle, and
1: love wins out. <laughs> um, Even though he is responsible for making a closer family bookstore. We'll get
0: there. We'll fucking get there. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Um, I'll go first then and just straight up say the story I went ten nine in favor of you've got mail. Um because I think I prefer them having those interactions. Like I think the set what separates these two is we get to see them and the chemistry on screen throughout the movie. And we get to see them go from strangers to really hitting it off and then antagonizing each other um, to the point of like sheer hatred before it all comes back around. And you get the interesting stuff for like the bookstores and stuff. Cause I'm a sucker for like, like, like I love reading and stuff. Like that. So like, what well, as a kid books, like owning a bookstore is one of the things i I wanted to do more than anything, like seeing um, yeah. the little, the shop around the corner, which also complete sidetrack already because the is a remake of a film from the 40s, which I actually mentioned on, I think, the best movies we watched in 2023 for the first time. Uh, it's a Christmas movie from the 40s starring my favourite actor, James Stewart, who essentially plays the Tom Hanks role. And that film's called The Shop Around the Corner. So when I watched this and The the Shop was actually called that, I was like, that's a nice little nugget. Um, and I think maybe the fact it's based on that one, which I love so much already, really helps the story for me as well. It felt more familiar. Um and sleepless in Seattle, I mean, it's just a bit dodgy. <laughs> like yeah.
1: there's
0: a lot going on there, and I'm not sure we should be happy um with what we're seeing. And I just think because it's more stereotypical, you've got mail with the, the tropes that they use and the way the characters interact. I'm a sucker for cliches, and I think it just works better for me. So I went to ten nine in favour of that.
1: I agree. Uh 10-9 in favor of you got mail. Um sleepless in sleepless in seattle um just very there's so much about it that just rubbed me up the wrong way so much about it where do i begin it's one of them films and we watched me and grace watch one a while ago, over christmas called i think it's called good grief or grief or something like that summit with dan levy dan Le- that's what, dan the new levy. one right yeah dan levy's latest film and it's the same kind of thing that really aggravates me in films where his wife dies, and it's been like a couple of months, and they're like, "You need to get back out there." I'm like it's been fucking six months, pal. Like let him let the man grieve. Like he doesn't need to go out jumping bones. He needs to like grieve the love of like the loss of the love of his life. Like let, let the man grieve. And then obviously there's the sun ringing up, which uh, yeah, kind of cute. But then like everybody in America becomes enamored with a guy who's grieving over his dead wife, and everybody's all, all of a sudden like, "Yeah, I want to fuck him." It's like what? You've just listened to on the radio how he can never... He feels like he can never replace his... What? I'm going on a rant. He can never replace his ra- wife. And everybody was all of a sudden like, I can fix him, kind of thing. And then... Oh. And then Meg Ryan, who is engaged, who our introduction to her is her engagement. Um Annie in C- Sleepers in Seattle. Her introduction to her her is an engagement. And then she spends the rest of the film, as she does in You Got Mail, to be fair, actively trying to cheat in her relationship. (laughs) She actively, like, there's a point where Bill Pullman's character, uh, Walter, um, finds her in the cupboard, like, on the phone as she's listening to this guy that she's, like, about this guy that she's obsessed with. And he's just like, oh, whatever. She's very good at lying and fobbing him off. Weren't a fan. And then after all that, after all that, she starts fucking stalking him, like becomes properly obsessed and stalking him. So, no, I did not like sleep in Seattle. Whereas, in you've got male, like at least it was a bit of charm, like you've got the enemies to lovers, you've got the, I like the uh, Joe Fox meeting her and like it was, gen- like it wasn't, he wasn't trying to shut a store down or scope it out like she thinks and everything. It was a genuine, like meet cute. Um, and obviously the the film escalates on there and i like the the dual lives of the of the uh, yahooing each other um yahoo mail was it or oh, AOL. AOL. aol aol yeah um and then them not knowing who each other are until tom hanks obviously finds out who she is but then Tom Hanks then becomes the manipulator in this film. So I watched him and I said it to Grace and she was like, I've never looked at it that way. And I think she's upset because I put a point on that could ruin the films, as I usually do when I watch her films. But it's like, in Sleepless in Seattle, Meg Ryan knows Tom Hanks, but Tom Hanks doesn't know Meg Ryan. But Meg Ryan becomes like a stalker to Tom Hanks until she finally gets what she wants. And then in You've Got Mail, Tom Hanks finds out it's Meg Ryan's character on the other side of the computer and manipulates that whole situation manipulates her into a situation where she eventually falls in love with him at the end so it's just quite, like the roles are reversed and both of them are very fucking toxic <laughs> but whatever the in the story for you you've got males a lot better i think especially with uh those two characters uh i just don't agree with their methods
0: yeah so, i think
1: in, in you've got mail both tom hanks and and we'll talk about it in the opening oh well, i'll talk about it in the opening but Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's character are openly actively trying to cheat or cheat, yeah. so in case, essentially cheating.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a, a moment in Sleepless in Seattle when she travels to Seattle and just watches from a distance. Could you imagine making that film now? Like, I don't think people would respond to it the same way because that's creepy.
1: It'd be an A24 movie.
0: Yeah. Or if it was the revolves, revolves reversed. Like, could you imagine if the, no, I'm the person obsessed was Tom Hanks and he just travelled to her town and watched her from a distance? That shit's bonkers. Like, it's not good, but we'll get to that soon. Um, so, yeah, we both agree there then because, um, like I said, I just think
1: the cliche riddled version is just much think- more enjoyable. To play devil, not play devils. I guess what the intention and what the perspective that I didn't see, and I'm guessing you didn't see, is that it was it's all about is the person like not settling for the person, not settling for not like in both films to talk about like it being magic and it being destiny and whatever. And I get the the probably the romantic part of it is that they are meant for each other because they are so perfect for each other and they feel this that they don't feel with. Um, Bill Pullman, or uh, Greg Kinnear, which... Or Parker Posey. Or Parker Posey. I mean... Tom Hanks is a fucking fool, first of all. He's an absolute moron, but whatever. Um, And uh, I'm guessing the message is supposed to be like, uh, you know, find your true love, no matter the cost, but I don't know if it's a male perspective or if it's because the film's aged, or well, probably not a male perspective, but uh what's the word? A negative perspective <laughs> is that you're just basically promoting, if you're not happy, just go fucking find somebody else or cheat rather than try and deal with your problems. But whatever. Yeah,
0: I think um especially in Sleepless in Seattle, like having that sort of like affection and interest in someone you've never actually met just – just seems a little weird when you're engaged. At least in you've got mail. They've been conversing and it's been strictly about interesting subjects. There's never really been any messages up until that point, which hints at romance. It's just been talking about like like she says, like books and stuff like that. And that's how they really got to know each other. Whereas in Sleepless in Seattle, from minute one, Annie's like, "I could be destined to be with this guy," and it's like you've never fucking laid eyes
1: on him. Like, yeah, you, you don't, don't know. know. Well, she does know what she looks like because she had act- she gets a fucking private investigator to fucking sneak and find out who she... Like... It's fucking crazy person behaviour. Yeah,
0: probably, she would definitely uh, taking advantage of her job as well, like going on like certain databases and stuff to find them. Yeah, you could, um, definitely,
1: make, you could definitely remake Sleepless in Seattle as a thriller, like yeah. a, a stalker movie.
0: Well, apparently there's actually like a YouTube cut of it where it is like um, a horror movie where she's stalking him to kill him.
1: <laughs> like someone's I'm, edited together it. that's what it ends about I like. watch it and log it on letterbox
0: <laughs> I know yeah um, we'll move on then to the opening because like we've got plenty to say about this so we might as well it's spread me. our opinions out throughout it's the category instead that. of giving them all the way at once um, right so in terms of the openings then Sleepless in Seattle is a very I wouldn't say a dark one but it's, it's somber. quite sombre it opens with the funeral of Sam's wife um and then it quickly shows him t- getting all these offers, and how angry he is when he's like slamming on everything he gets. And he decides to move his son to Seattle, um, and that quickly transitions into meeting Annie, who's obviously at that dinner where she announces her engagement to Walter in front of her family. Um, and they kind of seem happy. I mean, it's quite—it's—it's it's highlighted quite quickly. Quite quickly, that the guy's a bit of a fucking like, weird, or, like, he's allergic to all these different things. called don't, don't. I've got opinions on this as well. Don't, because... <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you see them, these very separate, like, separate and different lives, and you see where both are in their lives at that point. Uh, and you compare that to You've Got Mail, which is quite the opposite, because you've got that, first of all, you've got that really interesting random cartoon graphic that opens it up, like, around New York City and stuff. And then you open with both... Meg Ryan's character Kathleen and Tom Hanks' character Joe, like in their homes with their partners, and it shows them both, like, waiting for, to wait for the partner's leave so they can sneak onto the computers to talk to each other. But I think the interesting bit after that is where we see them both go to work and you see how close their lives are linked together and just how close they are to actually meeting without ever meeting. Like, you see like, one walking to work or just, just turns the corner as the other comes around or he's just a few yards behind, and it shows just how just how easy it would have been for them to meet in person before everything that happened. So while Sleepless in Seattle shows how different their lives are and it also highlights how far apart they are, you've got mail it does quite the opposite and shows you just how close these two are situated and why it makes sense that they will eventually meet. Um, So how did you score that?
1: Well, I'm not going to talk about how I feel about Bill Pullman just yet because we've got a category that I want to specifically save it for there but oh, You've Got Mail's opening is just again it's the film starts with we're fucking we're cheating like I'm in a, I'm in a relationship you're in a relationship but we're going to every time she literally watches out the window to make sure he's definitely gone before she can go cutesy up flirt with a guy online and he does the exact same thing and like trying to make out parker poses annoying and i'm like she's charming as fuck (laughs) and the same with greg canine like no that's charming but like they're rushing off so they're immediately trying to make their partners look bad so that this is kind of acceptable um so you've got males not getting the fucking 10 this time, he's uh, gonna get a nine. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle is gonna get a 10. Um, I do prefer the opening to Sleepless in Seattle. It's got, because it, it doesn't immediately go into the problems. I like the juxtaposition of like, Sam's life being down and sad and obviously his wife's just died. And he's going through it, and like that's like you say that scene where somebody offers him his shrink, and he pulls them all out, and it's you know it's people are trying to help him, but he can't be helped. It's the line of like he just wants to go, like he needs to change the scenery because he'd like to not walk a corner and not be reminded of her, something like that. Paraphrasing, obviously. Um, so that really sets up why he has the big change and why he needs the big change, and it's a lot. Shows more a lot more of his character, whereas Annie obviously really happy, like obviously living the suburban life. Well, not suburban life, but that kind of white picket fence life. And it's supposed to be all nice. She's got the family. She's got the crit. She's got the kind of the the really, uh, yeah, dorky fiance. But like, still quite charming. It's still quite nice. And they got the the big. And they're talking about. I mean, I don't understand. Do do pe- do people's fiancés or partners not meet entire families before they get engaged in the nineties? I like they literally announced they're engaged. They've only just met this guy, and next minute she's leaving him to go upstairs into the attic and fucking try on a wedding dress. But whatever, it's it's just completely showing the completely different lives they both have. Um, but I'm, I gave it I gave it the ten because I really enjoy not enjoyed, but I really liked how they showed Sam as not just like a sad sack who it's like it's not like it's not his wife's dad and immediately is looking for what the next thing is he he's showing his pain and I really enjoyed that
0: yeah I actually agree I went 10-9 in favour of Sleepless in Seattle as well because like you said the stuff where they're watching the partners leave and they're making sure they're truly gone before they talk to each other just the sneaking around seconds into the movie just it's it doesn't really t- paint a good picture of the characters like right off the bat um i did like the stuff like i said where we see them going to work and just how close they, they could possibly meet like with one walk and you see the other in the background i like that stuff but you touched on there like with how different sam and annie's lives are um and i love the interaction between walter and her family and he try, when he tries to be funny and the, just the deadpan looks on everyone's face as, as they don't get his sense of humor apart from annie um And Sam's grieving. And I think it's interesting because from the beginning, we see where the stages they're at, where Sam is probably feeling as low as he ever has after losing his wife, whereas Annie's now just got engaged and she should theoretically be the happiest she's ever been. But throughout the movie, once Sam moves to Seattle, he's the one content with life. She's seeking change, despite the fact she should be the happy one. Like, he's happy in his circumstance. I mean, his son doesn't think so so he reaches out to the radio station but where he is he's not the one seeking out change where she's I mean, essentially desperate
1: yeah it's almost like like well it's as soon as she walk, they walk out of the house and he says like something well, somebody says walter's such a traditional name and that's supposed to be enough to be like oh yeah, yeah. His name- his name's Walter. No wonder, no wonder she's going to stop loving him eventually. Like, I'm sorry,
0: like, what the fuck's Annie, first
1: of all? Like, that's
0: not some modern fucking hip name. So you can fucking miss me with that, bollocks. But, yeah.
1: Um, it's,
0: it's, yeah. Yeah, so we agree on that. I think, while I think that You've Got male story, ultimately, I prefer, I just think it. the opening just, it paints a bad image on the characters immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I still think that bit where they interact, like showing the routes to work and how close their lives are linked is quite interesting, but we'll move on to the end then. Because uh, we've talked about the entire story, we talked about the opening and the end, which is probably in most rom-coms the most important bit, because that's where, if it's gone yeah. to plan, that's where the two main characters eventually get together. Usually they've been bickering or they've been together and split up. And then by the end they come back and, profess their undying love for each other Um, so in Sleepless in Seattle you've got quite a strange ending really because we don't even get to see when they, because that's when they finally meet like I said earlier, the entire film keeps them apart like pretty much apart from those very brief moments where they see each other but they pretty much kept apart for the entire film until the very end when Sam's son Jonah who is eight years old by the way uh, gets a flight to New York Pre 9/11. Um, Pre 9/11. Yeah, as you can tell as well, he gets a flight to New York after sending Annie a letter pretending to be his dad, arranging to meet her on at the top of the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day. Um,
1: so TV show Catfish, she would not she won't last on that.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, so yeah, so Jonah goes, and when Sam finds out, he joined he flies after him and they, he eventually finds him at the top of the Empire States building where Jonah's been sat all day like a silly bastard. Um, and yeah. then they go to leave and it's like just as they leave, Annie gets there and she goes up to the top and you feel like they've just missed each other and then she realises Jonah's bag's there and then Sam and Jonah come back and they eventually meet and Sam realises it's the woman he's seen a couple of times earlier in the movie and despite not really... You what, sorry? why. Yeah, twice in the airport and at the beach. Um, and then just they don't really say anything, it's just like we're going, shall we? And he takes around and that's it. There's no real conversation. Um, and you compare that to you've got mail where after about halfway through, Tom Hanks' character finds out that the person he's been mailing is um Kathleen Kelly, who obviously Meg Ryan plays, and he keeps it to himself for the most part. And it's interesting because despite the vicaring and them having these secret lives on email. They eventually start to get on in person and.
1: Very quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, it turns around very quickly, considering you put her out of fucking
1: business. Um, Again, closed down her family shop that her dead mum ran and had a lot of love for, and she essentially grew up in. But yeah. he bought some daisies because he knew that was her favorite flower. because he knew that before being online because he's a fucking manipulator. But whatever.
0: whatever. Yeah, yeah. You said it. Um, but yeah, so eventually kind of comes clean where he gives this big speech and she kind of shoots him down because she wants to meet the person she's been emailing. And then when he reveals it's him, she says, oh, I was hoping it was you. And they have their like, nice little romantic bit. Um, so they've both got very... I don't think either of very traditional rom-com endings, but I went 10-9 in favour of Sleepless in Seattle here for one reason, really... If I was in Tom Hanks shoes and I realised this woman who'd kind of been stalking me looked like Meg Ryan, let bygones be bygones is all I'm saying. I don't mind. But if someone puts my family out of business and then I find out they've been lying to me and they look like Tom Hanks, nah, pal, it ain't worth it. I just don't, (laughs) like, that difference doesn't make sense to me. Like, she could get away with being a bit nuts because she's Meg fucking Ryan and she is... One of the finest-looking women on the planet,
1: especially doing the. about movies. everybody in every episode we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, true. And not even just women. I talk about Josh Hartnett like that as well. That's that's very true. That's very true.
0: Great to which she's all that. I talk about Freddie Bridge Jr. <laughs> Fucking, know that's coming. Um, I've lost my track. Oh yeah,
1: and Sorry, I just think. You have to daydreaming
0: about Freddie Bridge Jr. Now, um, but just like. The ending as well, like we said, it's just so far-fetched that she'd be willing to forgive this guy who shut down her shop that she was... Like, it was a family shop that her mum, who's, like you said, passed away, had, like, owned, and then she passed it to her daughter, and now it's been shut down because this guy worked for this big company. Like, who is even willing... That doesn't make sense. Why would you end up in a relationship with someone like that? At least with Annie. Tom Hanks in uh, Sleepers in Seattle... He doesn't, he might not put two and two together because he might be a bit slow. Like there's no
1: Definitely, guarantee
0: that he sees her in. like he remembers seeing her in the airport and thinks she was there for me. Um He might think that about the beach a bit because she was just sit on the opposite road gaping at him. But um I don't know. I just think
1: <laughs>
0: having this set on the top of the Empire States building, it just, it was better. I mean, it was weird that they didn't speak much, but they finally come together after being a part yep. of the whole film.
1: You know what's weird? What's they didn't, do it. they didn't do it in the Space Needle in Seattle. Yeah. In the- oh. It's
0: because the kid wrote it. you was a fucking idiot. <laughs> Jonah sent the letter. That little bum thought he was doing some business. But um, I just think the the ending to You've Got Mail is just ridiculous. Like, you would never forgive someone who had done that, and you wouldn't enter a relationship with them. So, yeah, I went 10-9 in favour of Sleepless in Seattle in that category.
1: Right. Here we go. Right. Ending sleep is ending sleepless in Seattle. So she's fucking sat there, and we're going to get this into the best Meg Ryan category. But she's fucking sat there with her fiance, tells him she don't want to be with him anymore, and then looks over and be like, "He could be there. I'm just going to fucking leave you after you just spent all this money on food to go find somebody who I'm oh I've just told you I'm leaving you for." Uh, who he doesn't even know where I am. Oh God! Oh, she took a
0: chance.
1: What? Don't do took don't. a chance on love. Don't romanticize it. Anyway, she goes up there, obviously not there. And uh, the way she looks at him at the end of Sleepless in Seattle is fucking stalkery. It's crazy, person. She yeah, just- but she's Meg Ryan, isn't she? So? <laughs> I tell you, what, I've watched two films with Meg Ryan. And I'm not a fan. I'm not going to lie. And she fucking just stares. Like, she doesn't really talk. She just stares at him the entire time. Like, they hardly talk. They just grab their hands. And what's the conversation after they get in the lift? Didn't I see you at the airport? Yeah, I was trying to find you. What? (laughs) Didn't I see you you at the beach? I was trying to find you. Yeah, I was literally stalking you. Well, how do you know what I look like? Well, because I hired a private investigator. All right. What? (laughs) And I looked you up on a database that's how I know where you lived. Yeah, I was I was engaged when uh, well today. And I ended up today. Why? Because you might have been here. What just fucking I, not I just a relationship don't... built to last, is it? <laughs> and no, it's not. And like what I need is the sleepy since Seattle uh sequel where it's what however many years later and they fucking hate each other. They got they didn't even last two weeks. Um but Oh, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. And you've got male. Like, what can I fucking say? He manipulate manipulates her the entire time until she fucking loves him, which happens very quickly. Over, but again, it's he's manipu- he's done it. She falls in love with him because he knows all the little things about her that she's divulged over mail to this guy that she actually likes. And he's used that to his advantage. And then I was hoping it was you. No, you, your real reaction would be, hold oh, on a fucking second. It's been you this entire time. Why don't you even fucking tell me? Like, why don't you tell her? Like, he had that moment in the when she was sick and she said, uh, Daisy's my favourite. And he went, I know you told me. She didn't acknowledge it. You'd say then, I need to talk to you about something. I came around to talk to you about something. Oh, I just fucking can't, Cal. So I'm not going to lie to you. Nobody's getting a ten. It's going to be a nine-nine. I couldn't <laughs> do it. I couldn't do it. I can't see the rom- the romanticisation of it. I don't think that's a so word. I I can't see the romantic in it at all. It just in either screams manipulation. In you've got nip mail and screams stalker in sleeplessness in Seattle. <laughs> that's true, but that's why I said one of them is Tom Hanks and one of them is yeah. Mary Ryan. So making a very good point. If Tom is, like as the, he's shouting after the dog and you hear that fucking squeaky, nasally voice, you're not thinking, oh, here comes the love of my life. You're thinking, here comes fucking Woody and not the good kind. Like, it's... Oh, God.
0: Yeah, that's how I separate it. I think both characters are pretty fucking shitty at the end, but one of them is
1: objectively very hot, so... I'm not trying to body shame anybody, but there's a whole scene in the the whole end scene of You've Got Mail where Tom Hanks is talking uh, to Meg Ryan at, at the garden and he's stood like and it's free just three lines, three massive fucking lines across his neck. <laughs> like, what is going on there? Like, they're not even double chins, they're just creases in his neck. It was so distracting to look at.
0: Yeah, and do you know what's wild to think? I think that anybody this- falls in. Tom Hanks for his looks. So this movie is the ve- like the movie he did before this one was Saving Private Ryan. Matt okay, no, that is crazy. So he went from saving private Ryan to this, like they couldn't be more different. And also in saving private Ryan, you expect he had to be in like peak physical condition. No, he just doesn't look that way in this. But it's Tom Hanks, I love him. Uh well uh, I mean he's... we'll talk about him next because the next category is saving best version. You are you think meg ryan's privacy is what he was trying to do in this one <laughs> yeah um yeah so we'll move on then to the best tom because we were just talking about him anyway so obviously the male lead in both movies is played by big tom you've got sam baldwin in sleepless in seattle the grieving widow who has moved he's a single dad now he moves with his son and becomes the Object of affection for about ninety percent of women in America. Apparently, after his son calls the radio station and he's forced to talk about what made his his um, his late wife so special, um, and his his character in You've Got Mail couldn't be more different because he plays Joe Fox, the son of like the head of this big like book, it's like a bookstore company, like a multi million dollar company, and he's like this real successful businessman who. He's real cutthroat, he takes no prisoners, and he gets the job done regardless. Um, so his characters are very, very different. Um, so how did you score that?
1: What oh, was it, me? Yeah, you're next. Great. I went 10-9 in favour of uh, Sam. Um, Joe Fox is charming and whatever, yeah, and he's got that. is he is a little bit more funny. Obviously, you kind of need to be with Sam's... You know, character. I just think sounds a lot, a lot more to resonate with. Like he, he didn't play it. He didn't play it as silly as he does in Sleepless. Like there's that scene in Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, You've got mail, where uh, Dave Chappelle looks in the restaurant and he's like, uh, or if you, if you think. If she looks like Kathleen Kennedy, you're good, then you're going to be whatever. And it turns out he tells her it is Kathleen Kennedy. And he does that Kelly, thing. Kathleen it, Kelly. I mean, I thought it was Kennedy.
0: No, Kathleen. isn't that that woman that works with Star Wars? It is, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Kathleen Kelly. Kathleen Kelly, yeah. Um, and he it, it goes like full animated Woody on the fucking fence in where he's like, Argh! And I just, I just hate that kind of stuff. Well, I get it, but yeah, Sam, I like the way he played him. Like when he finally started dating again, he wasn't doing it. Like he didn't play it as this is what I need. It's just kind of like a it's a thing that's happening to me, um, all the way up until the end. Uh, he was actually consistent throughout the film. Meg Meg Ryan's my issue with that film, but all the way throughout the film is like there's that scene where he's laying on the sofa and he either dreams or imagines that his wife's there, and he just plays it right, like, really, really, I. Like, quite I say this for a lot of performances recently but he plays it really really quietly and doesn't overact which i really liked and i just think as a as a whole sam's character is just a lot more interesting to watch whereas joe is fun to watch but also aggravated me a lot more especially near the end like i say when he start when he realizes who she is and he realizes that he can use it to his advantage and manipulate and he just use that manipulation to benefit himself uh, to try f- again, the romanticized version is he's trying to fix his mistakes and he's trying to fix um build himself up to it. But again, I just see it as manipulation. So, uh, yeah, so 10-9 in favor of uh, Sam Bolden.
0: Yeah, I went 10-9 in favor of Sam as well because I think one of the most important things for these sorts of movies is you're supposed to root for the characters, you're supposed to want them to be happy. And Sam is someone that's very, very easy to root for. Like, he's obviously gone through so much already. Um, and we see that, and we see how he's dealing with it all. We see how like how close his relationship is with his son, um, and we just see he's just a genuinely good person. Whereas the stuff with Joy is just a bit of an ass, um, especially throughout like the way he works and his business and how he handles that and the way he like views the competition. Like he is a bit of an ass. There are moments where he is quite charming. Like you said, like I think the first meeting with Kathleen in. Her bookstore, when he says, I'm just call me Joe, and they have that brief interaction there. And you can see the chemistry immediately. Like, there, he's I, I, I think he's quite um, charming. Or in the the, the shot when she's not got cash and he comes over and he saves the day and he like sweet talks the cashier into letting her use a card, which I think is really funny how like he says the most basic shit and it wins her yeah. over. And then when Kathleen's so over a project, I'm really sorry, the, the woman's face
1: just drops when she looks at her. Like, it's so yeah. funny he's not charming in the slight he just he just keeps repeating that she's got a nice name and she's like oh yeah okay whatever.
0: Yeah and he tells that really poor not not joke Um, yeah yeah. there are moments where I think he is quite charming and I do like that and I mean Tom Hanks is never bad like he always puts in a good performance but I think like I said Joe's just much more like sympathetic and he's someone that you want to see succeed and be happy and the stuff when he's uh, talking to his friends where he asks if he's got a cute butt and stuff. It's just really funny. Um, and he's probably out of the four... Out of the, this, there's four main characters in these two movies. There's him and Meg Ryan in one and him and Meg Ryan in the other. And there's only one good one in both. And this, this guy is probably definitely the best in either. Um, he's, he's got morals and and... The way like he panics when his son goes and he flies to New York to find him and stuff, he just seems like a good bloke, whereas Joe Fox seems like a bit of a douche. Um, so yeah, that was an easy one.
1: Yeah, agreed. Also, I will say what well, I will say one thing about Sam. Nobody's gonna fall in love with somebody with that haircut. What the fuck is going on with his hair?
0: I know, yeah, his hair is pretty wild. But I suppose what is it like 92, 93? <laughs> different times by then. (laughs) I weren't even alive by then. All right. (laughs) You were about 15, weren't
1: you? Yeah, fucked.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about it then. Let's talk about Meg Ryan. Do we have to? You've got Fatal Attraction Wannabe Annie in (laughs) Cleveland (laughs) in Seattle. Uh, The woman who is engaged and takes a liking to Tom Hanks' character after hearing him on the radio and um, essentially just kind of stalks him for an hour and a half. Uh, and you compare that with her character in You've Got Male Kathleen Kelly, who runs this little bookstore, um, is also in a relationship, but is secretly emailing someone she's never met. Um, and she's just dealing with, the majority of it is she's dealing with those mixed feelings as well as trying to fight off this big uh, company while going to war with Joe Fox which leads to some really funny scenes like where they go, they're verbal back and forth. Um, so I'll go first this time then and say straight off the bat, 10-8 in favor of you've got mail. I 10 8 it because fucking Annie is hot but terrifying. Like that woman is fucking nuts. It's just, it's absolutely outrageous. Like, I don't know what the fuck she's thinking. Like even in the scenes where she's talking about writing this letter to Sam, but then she's like, someone mentions Walter, and she's like, oh, I'd love to marry Walter. Well, what the fuck are you doing then, mate? I don't understand. Um, She just doesn't seem all there. She seems a bit fucking loopy in the the head. Uh, Flying all the way to Seattle to watch him with his son, it's just next level creepy. Hiring a private investigator, that should be fucking criminal. Uh, This motherfucker should have gone to jail for what she's been doing.
1: Um, And just the way she treats Walter. Can I just say flying out on the fucking company she works for's money. Like, yeah. she manipulated a story so that she could go out and get or get all of her stalker behaviour paid for. Yeah, that, it's know, bizarre. It is the dream. If I could, I would, but... Who would you stalk? Oh, God. Not Tom Hanks. <laughs> no, fuck no. <laughs> at the moment, do a leaper. She's on the radar at the moment. Um...
0: But yeah, it's like aside from the scene when she's first in the car and she first hears it and she's like interacting with it, that's quite a charming scene, I think. Like when she's like re- responding to what he's saying on the radio, I think that's quite well done. But other than that, she's just a bit fucking crazy.
1: Looking it through the lenses, if she thinks she's talking to him, yeah, she then... probably does. Yeah, well, then... she's like, why is he ignoring me? She, yeah, and whenever they say the words at the same time, she probably thinks it's an instant connection. There's people that are delusional like that. And then in You've Got Mail, obviously, I think Kathleen,
0: I I actually think she's a really good character, and I like that she owns this um, small business. She's an independent like bookstore owner. She's who is like interactions with her, like everyone she works with are great. The way she verbally spars with Joe Fox, especially later in the movie when without knowing it's him that's given her the, the support and the advice to stick up for herself, the way she responds later on and really goes at it. Like, when he first shows up to the like the cafe, when she's waiting for her email lover, and he shows up and she's just giving him shit. Like, I, I like that she stands up for herself and she responds and she doesn't let people walk all over her like that. Um, she is a bit of a dickhead, obviously, because she's deaf folk. Definitely emailing someone behind her partner and being really secretive about it. But I think we'll get which we'll get to in a very, very short moment. Um, I think her react um, actions in sleepless in Seattle, especially towards Walter, just feel a little worse like than what she does in this one. Um, although Talking strictly of Meg Ryan, I think you mentioned Tom Hanks' hair then. I think her, Meg Ryan's hair in Sleepers in Seattle is much better than this. I don't know what the fuck's going on in this. Now that is like a Karen before a Karen. Like, it's a weird do.
1: It's a full 90s, middle-aged 90s woman a haircut. Not
0: for me. Um, do you know what's interesting? Because I don't even think it looks like the same woman. No, Maybe that's just me.
1: It looks like a crazy, crazy person in both films. <laughs>
0: I don't think she looks crazy in uh, You've Got Mail I, don't, I think she's quite sane in that. Um,
1: Wait, apart from the fact
0: she gets him at the end when he ruins her life. Let me tell you my scores and I'll tell you why she's
1: crazy in both. Then <laughs> we're <laughs> not going to get another 9-9, away. Anyway, yeah, 10-8, so you can go ahead now. Would I give her a 9-9? Nine, nine? No, I'm going to give her a 9-8 in favour of You've Got Mail. Because she's fucking the worst. I wanted to give her a 8-8, but... In you've got mail, she's a little bit a little bit better because she's got the story about the shop with her mom and like there's a lot of like she's very like good with her friends and she's very like she is very very a, a little bit more charming in you've got mail when she when when she's in the shop. Outside of that, fucking nuts. Like in fact, no, I take it back. Even when she's in, the, when she fucking when uh, he says. Uh, you should go to ma- uh, go to the mattress and wherever yeah. and he says you need to get started fighting was fucking standing in the shop whilst it's busy whilst work needs to be done fucking karate chop in the air like that's not charming that's fucking annoying and me i just think if i had an employee that were doing that i'd want to fucking smack them <laughs> i want to smack them in the back of the head if they're fucking karate chopping while it's busy i'm like what the fuck meg ryan what the fuck was the name Kathleen. What the fuck are you do? I don't care if you're in the shop. Stop karate chopping the air. Yeah, but you seem to forget she doesn't
0: have a boss. She is the boss, and this should be like people
1: reacting to you, which you probably do. I mean, I, yeah, I did pull out I say we're in a team meeting once and start swinging it about. But whatever, that was fun for me. Um, But I uh, just she was she was a lot more charming. But again, I couldn't get on. like everything that Greg Kinnear uh, Frank was doing like she was making out as if it was bad or that or that it was something that wasn't worth putting up with or something like that and it it wasn't everything and and clearly she just wanted this person online and it just can't I can't give tens to people who go online and purposely chat up and flirt whilst their partners literally just left, only just left the house Um, yeah and then oh god yeah Annie's just a fucking crazy bitch she is crazy and sorry for the derogatory term calling somebody a crazy bitch but she is uh, like Walter, everything Walter does is supposed like is supposed to be like she ha- reacts as if it's the worst fucking thing in the world. Guys just got allergies, and we'll talk about it when we get to that round. But guys just got allergies, stop acting like it's the worst thing in the fucking world. You know what I mean? Like and she is crazy, like we've we've covered it plenty of times. She used the company's money to fucking go stalk somebody. She went out, um, she left her recently dropped fiance to go and <laughs> um Find Tom Hanks at the top of the fucking Empire State Building, like everything about her is like. And the thing that stayed with me, it's kind of like the the ending to Midsummer, or what a lot of people say about like Smile and stuff. Like that ending, those ending shots have stuck with me in my nightmares. The way she stares at him, she's gonna kill him in that elevator. If he doesn't love her back, she's gonna fucking stab him in his sleep. That's a horror. Like that sleep, it's a horror movie. I'm telling you.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing. If there's a YouTube cut where it makes you look like a serial killer that's trying to kill him, then you've probably done some questionable things in the movie. Well, have you ever seen The Graduation with Dustin Hoffman?
1: No, I know the ending, but I don't yeah, know. so that that's what the ending feels like. I wish
0: we could have seen that. way. like, because the end of that, they get they like run away and they look really happy on the bus, and then the smiles like slowly fade when they realize the gravity of what they've done, and like. Things are gonna work out. I'd love to see that in the elevator when they go in all smart, and then all of a sudden just see the colour drain from them. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like,
1: what the, what the, yeah. And again, it's just the it's just all the kind of weird stuff that. And I get that she didn't originally send the letter, but as soon as she as she wrote it out, and as soon as she found out it had been sent out, she was all fucking up for it. Just crazy person behaviour. Yeah. Give well, can't, can't either of them a temp. because, and honestly. Didn't find her that super charming in either film. I'm not going to lie, I, I do apologize, Meg Ryan fans. But like I can say I've seen two films with Meg Ryan now, and it, she's not on Kirsten Dunce level of hate. Hate, but she, I did not, I did not enjoy her. Right. Well,
0: we've got one more fucking lifeline to bring that round when we get to a, another film later this month, which she is also in. Um, We've beat you around the bush then in terms of the relationships that both characters in both both sets of characters are in in both set in both films. Um because in both there are periods where they are both in relationships whilst this whole weird relation like interaction infatuation stuff is going on. So we'll talk about the relationships now in both and essentially grade it on which couple deserve to be cheated on the least. Um, <laughs> I'll let you go first, then, because in Sleepless in Seattle, we see from the, the get-go that Annie's engaged to Walter. Uh, we see that he's a bit of a nerd, but he's quite harmless. He's, he's a very nice man. He, ne- he never treats her badly. He never does anything wrong. He's just, like I said, he's just a, he's just not cool, essentially. He's just a bit of a geek, whereas Sam opens the movie as this grieving widow, but he eventually gets into the dating game, and he, he briefly starts seeing this woman, Victoria, who it's very out there and very uh kind of annoying, but I think it's it more for laugh.
1: laughs. Very like annoying in our laugh.
0: And yeah. Although there's that moment where like she talks to Jonah, who is a bit of a shit to her. Uh, so I can I get it. When he walks around, she's like, maybe we should spend some time alone, like away from your son. I think that's probably supposed to be a moment where you're supposed to think, oh, she's not really that nice. But I I don't really see it that way. But, yeah, her laugh is ridiculous. But she's quite a decent character. Like, she makes an effort with his son. Um, She doesn't say anything wrong. She's very nice. Like, she's just there. Whereas in You've Got Mail, they try to make out that Parker Posey's a bit of an arse. Um, There's moments where she comes across really ditzy. And that's supposed to be a bad thing, apparently. Like, you see the moment in The Dinner Party where she's talking to Frank and she kind of lets slip that she's not really as clued up as she thinks she is when she's like interacting with me about his book and his work and stuff. And Meg Ryan's Kathleen exchanges a look with Tom Hanks and he's like almost embarrassed by what she's saying. Um, whereas Frank, I'm going to disagree with you when you say Frank did not wrong because I think he is a bit of a shit. Because there's that bit when he's on the news and he's clearly I fucking that woman, the reporter, and they are flirting like mad. And there's definitely something going on there.
1: Cal, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to tell you, to be honest. Eleanor, Eleanor doesn't listen to this podcast, so I know that you can tell me honestly. I assume she doesn't, because I don't think, oh no, Grace does, so maybe Eleanor does If you went on TV and the host of, a famous host of a TV was very flirting with you, you're telling me you wouldn't flirt by
0: not if I knew Eleanor was gonna watch the clip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. not if I knew we were gonna get caught.
1: Yeah, fucking.
0: Well, that's the thing though, because he knows she's gonna watch it. He's sat there watching it with you, and he seems it's not that he knows it's bad, he seems none the wiser. Like he doesn't yeah, seem to the...
1: realize what he was doing. There you go. So he wasn't he, he wasn't giving her the fuck me out. He was just Come on now. Nah, we know he was, we know he was clueless until it wasn't until Meg Ryan pointed it out that he was sort of getting a bit of a big head, as would you. Nah, they were definitely some of that, and also
0: it was just a bit annoying. Kept talking about like the stuff with the the typewriter. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying all this now because
1: I've still got to give me score. Uh, but the stuff is it, like the typewriters. You first or me first? This one. You are. Is it you or me first? You. Right. First of all, you leave fucking Frank, Greg Kinnear alone. You can't tell me that talking about typewriters and buying two of the same typewriters is fucking annoying. You got like, you got. A load of film posters. I'm sure met like, fucking another film poster. I can't say anything. Look. Look at it yeah, all. Well, the typewriter
0: like, thing It's because he's against technology and stuff. And he's like, he's got one. So why has he bought another one? Like, well, he doesn't need two. I'm cards.
1: for technology. <laughs> Get rid of traditional swords. Like, Sabres only. <laughs> exactly. So you're, you're on the opposite side of him. So you should be like, against him so as well. It's just a collection. And this is my problem with the bad partners throughout both films is that everything that's supposed to be bad about them is all perfectly reasonable stuff and I get like not everybody this story is like not everybody's the right match and blah 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 but the like the film actively tries to make you think that these people aren't worth Meg Ryan or Tom Hanks's attention when Parker Posey is fucking miles miles above Tom Hanks he's punching yeah. and to trade that in for Meg Ryan is he fucking mad like she was in Scream 3. Um, yeah, she was. Great, great character. No. There was nothing wrong with Rick, and he was an accomplished man, intelligent man. Yes, he was against technology, but a lot of people were in the 90s. Um, you know, he's got he's got a um, healthy collection. He's got, got hobbies. He's got interests. Uh, 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 Walter, yeah, he's a bit of a dork, but really lovely guy. And it's like, oh, no, he's got allergies. Don't marry him. He's got allergies kind of thing. And Victoria, the only thing about it was a laugh. But like, it's just a laugh. I just I just can't. I just can't. Um, but the person who got, I went 10-9 in favour of you got Mel because how the fuck, why the fuck would you pass up Parker Posey for Meg Ryan? Absolutely not a chance. And I mean, Greg Kinnear is so much better looking than Tom Hanks as well. And the one thing that fucking annoys me most out of both things and i didn't mention it in the in the uh, meg ryan round so i'm going to fucking mention it here another reason i hate meg ryan's characters both films in both films she essentially says to her fiance in both films they're engaged in both films aren't they i don't think her and frank are in you Well no, no, no. they're still together they've been together a long time in both films she sits them down says i'm not in love with you anymore Let's end the engagement, let's end this, blah blah blah. And both are like, yeah, it's fine. No, no worry. In fact, do you know what? Go fucking be happy. Go find the person. Go find this person online. Go find this person. Like she gets off so easy for both both times. Oh, do you know what? Just tell me your score because I can't deal with her anymore.
0: Yeah, those like the way the relationships break down seems a little too convenient. And like, there's no real drama with it. Um I get the, like, in Sleepless in Seattle, at least Walter, like, kind of admits he's he, it's not what he wants and he still loves her and stuff. But I get the sense that Frank, just, he wasn't that asked either in uh, You've Got Mail. I went 10-9 in favour of Sleepless in Seattle because while she's a bit of a dickhead to both of them, she ends both the relationships before anything physical happens. Whereas in... Sleepless in Seattle. Are we, is Tom Hanks not still with Victoria who's just gone away and he's just gone to meet this woman and now they're holding hands and doing who knows what next to Jonah's fucking poor ass. Like, there's no, there's no moment where they break up. She just goes, I think he's supposed to be going away with her when he realises Jonah's disappeared. That's
1: a fair point. Yeah, so that, that poor woman. I'll change my score, 10-10. Plus, Victoria, like you said, took an interest in his kid. That's, that's a widowed um son as well. Like he's lost his mum as well. She's making the effort. It's not easy. Like I imagine. I have no experience with it. But it can't be easy. And she makes the effort. And you know, Walter's just a nice guy.
0: Yeah. Walter just
1: never never does anything wrong. Um other than other than he sleeps with a tissue. How fucking dare he? Yeah, and he's obviously sleep- fucking when I'm snotty, I put tissues up my nose and fall to sleep with tissue up my nose. And Grace hasn't left yet. Well, she could be... She could be sending letters to Tom Hanks, I don't know.
0: Maybe. Probably. On a serious note, <laughs> though, if your missus lefty for someone like Tom Hanks, then fucking hell. <laughs> Someone's got me going wrong. Um, but, yeah, I think, like I said, I think Parker Posey's fucking awesome in You've Got Mail. That scene when Greg... Uh, Frank asks uh joe fox how does he sleep at night quite like judging me and she just walks in at the right time and starts telling him about the sleeping pills she takes i think it's fucking hilarious and she's really charming um and i like her a lot and I, I i don't understand why you'd believe her um for meg ryan in that movie i think she just seems lovely she's like a great time but maybe tom hans's character is a bit too old for at that point different sets uh periods of life but she is quite lively and outgoing and he seems a bit like a miserable bastard um but yeah, just to stitch my answer. My score straight comes down to what they did to fucking Victoria. She made such an effort with Jonah. She cooked food for him. She cooked potatoes like no one in the ever he's ever seen before, as he says. She tries and she gets ditched so he can go get his son, and then he just gets with this woman while he's away. When he comes back, she's probably like, "Well, we were supposed to go away together. What the fuck?" Like Victoria yeah. got done,
1: didn't she it? did she? She did.
0: Which makes, makes me think I should probably rethink my uh, Sam being the good version of Joe Fox earlier, <laughs> but uh, too late for that. Um, we'll move on then to the the versions of the couples that we like the most. I can imagine you're going to hate both, but essentially the the two characters and their love story, which one we prefer. You've got obviously the sleepers in Seattle one, which isn't really anything Concrete until the very end where they actually officially meet and interact swears, and it's a lot of a one-sided chase from Annie's character Um, and you compare that with You've Got Mail where it's actually like the enemies to love this stuff uh, and they hate each other in person but love each other through emails and then eventually come to realise what's going on and they have that sweet moment at the end um, I can't remember who's going as Aldo. I think it's your go. Yeah. I'm just going to, no beating around the bush. So I'm just going to say it's 10-9 in favour of you got mail, just for the fact that we actually see the chemistry. We see them interact. It's not completely one-sided. It's not some weird fantasy about what could be. We actually see them, in, like, talk to each other. We see the progression of the relationship from hitting it off well to becoming enemies, to becoming friends again, to eventually being together. All the while, they're also interacting through these emails. So I just think having those interactions and seeing the way they bounce off each other on screen and... Like I said, the chemistry between them, I think as as many faults as there are in the stories, I think them two actually work really well together. Um so that was an easy one. 10-9 for
1: you've got mail. So I went ten eight for you've got mail. Um purely for yeah, there's there's no kind of relationship other than it is one sided in Sleepers in Seattle. And there's like quite a few hints in Sleepers in Seattle that um I feel like the moral of the story of Sleepers in Seattle is he wanted to move on. Not he didn't want to move on from his wife. He wanted to, you know, just get back out there without forgetting her. But then there's like a couple of hints that Meg Ryan's character is just essentially the same personality and same kind of person as his wife was. Like there's that line when uh, Joan is asking about, it, like saying I can hardly remember or whatever, and he says um, she can peel. Her, she used to cut an apple. In one, like an entire, up in one long uh, spiral or whatever, Um and of course we saw Meg Ryan doing that earlier on in the film, and it's just like so. Basically, Meg Ryan is just a replacement for his, for his dead wife. I just can't imagine it working. Out of the yeah. two, after the film ends, you've got Mel is the one that I can imagine working um, a lot more because obviously once you've gotten over the, so you've fucking manipulated me into this relationship, fucking great, but. I think once they you get past that little bombshell, they did become friends, and no matter how quick it it went, they did become friends. She did realize that she had feelings for him, um, and they did love each other in the end. Um, so yeah, I went that, but neither of them are overly great in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I just think it's the uh, it boils down to the fact that you can actually see a future between the um, Joe and Kathleen, whereas. There's no way Salmon Anywhere can. There's no fucking way. That doesn't last two weeks. Like, no chance. Um, So, yeah, we agree on that. That was uh, fairly easy. We'll talk about now, then, the supporting
1: cast. Also, once Tom Hanks, like you said, goes back and has to tell Victoria that he's leaving her um, because he found a random woman at the top of the Empire State Building that he's only met twice because she stalked him um, and whatever, like... Oh, where was I going with this? Never mind. I completely lost <laughs> my train of thought as I was fucking getting. Oh yeah, at what point does um, Tom Hanks start thinking? Hold on, is this going to happen again? Once you get, once you become obsessed with fucking somebody else, like you literally become obsessed with me because you heard me on the radio. You travel. That'd because... be the first
0: thing I did. i be like, we're banning radios in this house. Let me tell you. No <laughs> radios because I know what happened last time, pal. Like, in you your just... car, it's CDs or nothing, pal. There'd just be no trust, would they? No. Um yeah, I think uh we'll move on then to the best supporting cast because both movies have got, I mean it's a staple in most rom coms people that I like. Yeah, but most rom coms have got these like incredible like casts of supporting characters that really help like elevate the story. Um because if it was just the main ones, it'd be a much more drama and boring. Um so yeah, they've both got some really good casts. Like in Sleepers in Seattle, you've got people like like the kid Jonah. Who was played by Ross Malinger, who I don't did you ever watch Recess on Disney? Played TJ, didn't he? Yeah, which I think is fucking cool. Um, yeah, you've got him as John, who I think does a really good job. You've got um Bill Pullman, obviously, as Walter, you've got uh Rob Reiner, who directed when Harry met Sally, he's in this as uh Sam's best friend. You've got Tom Hanks's real life wife, Rita Wilson, playing his friend, and her husband is the guy from Titanic, Victor Garber. Um, who else have we got? Uh, you've I... got Rosie O'Donnell.
1: There's...
0: Yep. Rosie O'Donnell as um Annie's best friend, Becky. Uh
1: who... is from uh Frasier as well.
0: Yeah, her brother, yeah, who's uh from Frasier. Um and then you've got the woman that plays Victoria, whose name I actually didn't know until I looked up, which is Barbara Garrick. Um, and I think that entire cast is really good. And then you compare it to the uh you've got Melon, which is a little
1: smaller, but there's also some decent names in that, like including one. Including one that you I'm gonna give the whole the whole film to because of him, but continue. Yeah, you've got uh our boy who I,
0: haven't, I imagine I know who it is from that film there. The wonders. Yeah. Steve Zong. No, <laughs> The wonders that thing you do. Uh, you've got Steve Zahn as George, who works in the bookshop for Kathleen. Um, you've got Parker Posey as to, uh, Joe's partner. You've got Greg Kinnear as Frank, uh, Kathleen's partner. You've got Birdie, the older woman that works in the shop. We've got some really fucking funny one-liners, played by Gene Stapleton. You've got Dave Chappelle as Kevin, someone that works with uh, Joe. Um I'm trying to think of the names really well. I can't remember the names, but the guy that plays uh tom hank's dad he's really funny and his his wife who eventually runs off with the nanny uh there's some really like colorful great characters in both um so how did you score that well
1: i've, already, I've literally just told you oh yeah you did you <laughs> and did now, you've got mail um it i mean yeah it's got steve Zahn in it and as per usual steve Zahn's fucking great even it's just his air headed one-liners but all the cast was a lot better. Like, I'm not a huge Dave Chappelle fan, but he played it really well in this. Like, he didn't, it wasn't, it was toned down, it wasn't over the top, but still funny. Um, Parker Posey, obviously, we spoke a lot about her. Greg Kinnear, we spoke a lot about him. Um, the actress who played Birdie, I don't know, I don't think I know from anything else, but like, just like lots of little, like, you say lots of little bits, funny bits and serious bits. Like, when uh, you find out that she was potentially in love with a, a famous dictator or uh, that bit where some the woman's asking about the book signing and it the camera cuts to her like saying, everything's fine. And you can just see a hand waving. And and then a bit later where you see her walking past the bookshop and you can see on her face, like the writing's on the walls, like she knows what's going to happen to the shop around the corner. Um, just like, I feel like everybody in that cast outside of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks I liked, <laughs> but Sleepers in Seattle had also had a great um, supporting cast, like Rob Reiner. Uh, I really like Rob Reiner; um, he was really funny. Uh, Victor Garbo is like uh, David Hyde Pierce, uh, like but again, a lot smaller roles. I don't feel like you got to spend as much time with him as as would have been it. As it would have been nice to. Um, I can't remember the person who plays Maggie. I just wrote here Maggie Dash Dead Wife. Like I enjoyed. Her very brief performance um, pulled a lot into the film, but overall, like they, you don't spend as much time with them, and they don't round out the film as much as that. You've got male cast does. Like I feel like the film doesn't work. Oh, there's the shot worker whose name I can't remember, and you've got male as well who works with um, George Birdie and. Catherine. Oh, uh, Christina played by Heather Burns. I don't know why I forgot her because I wrote her down earlier. Um, all, all great, and that the feeling of that like. Kathleen's struggles wouldn't work without them and like the tea party afterwards. And like knowing that Steve Zahn's character went on to work at Fox books books and all that kind of stuff. And I just think without the supporting casting, You've Got Mail, it wouldn't have elevated that film to be the better film overall, in my eyes. Whereas in Sleepless in Seattle, it is really just about Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. But Becky, um, Rosie O'Donnell's character, got a laugh out of me every time i do love her though no, it did take me uh i was like watching it for ages and a couple of her scenes went by a couple more scenes went by and then she came up that like, halfway through the film and i was like that's betty rubble yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like, idiot, like the idiot that i am <laughs> which now makes me want to watch flintstone so can we try and figure a way to do flintstone we could do flintstones versus scooby-doo that's probably one that we should do at some point yes Right, two so classic it's...
0: cartoons in live action um yeah i actually agree i went 10-9 in favor of you've got mail as well because i think while the sleepless in seattle cast does have some great moments like the running gag of becky and how unhappy she is with her husband and we never get to meet that shit kills me um
1: What's and i think at some point and it'd be like some dead
0: like chiseled handsome that would have been funny that would have been really good um, I also love Rita Wilson um, when she comes in and she, she's explaining the, uh lot of that, the Affair to Remember film, which is um, the Cary Grant one, which also was a win for me, just having Cary Grant uh, play a large role in this, somehow like years after he died. Like I thought that was fun. But that scene where she explains it, it's just like the breakdown. It's just like the monologue where she just like starts crying. It's really funny, especially when like, her partner played by Victor Garber and uh, Sam like mock her with the Western shortly afterwards. Yeah. Um, I love Jonah. I think he was really good. Um, his friend, the young girl is really funny. Like yeah. she's so bizarre. And I tell you what, this scene fucking killed me when I was watching It's When Jonah goes to New York and the question in it and her dad comes in and he says to her, cause I wrote an name down. Her name is Jessica. He says, Jessica, this is your father speaking. Like, no fucking shit. You stood in front of her. What
1: she you fucking mean? Like, she's not blind. Oh, like, yeah. That... oh yeah. That one got a bit of a chuckle out of me. As if to, it was almost as if to say, right, I know your mum's been asking questions, but she don't fucking matter. This is your dad now. Answer to your dad. Tell your and dad also, what
0: also, when she
1: says that uh, Jonah's going to New York, and Sam's like, oh...
0: He's on the he's getting a play what time and the dad just reads off the flight time. Like, what the fuck?
1: Do you study flights? Like, what's going studying, on? Yeah. He's just got a load of fucking clocks on the wall.
0: <laughs> it's so weird. Um, so that guy was just random as fuck, but he got a couple of laughs out of me at that very small, uh, again, small
1: scene. If you were able to book a flight that you, did you did they not run like a flight, like a travel agency or something? That would make yeah, sense. Yeah, but
0: even still, like you run a cinema. If I ask you what time a certain film's on tomorrow, I can't imagine you just be like Go on, try me. Uh, I'm going to check. Go on, this will be fun. Uh, I'm going to do the ones that are like the one-off showings.
1: Yeah, okay, I can do it. If you're a podcast listener, we are still on. (laughs) Uh, Baghead. Baghead, not a fucking clue.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. So it's weird that he could just lay him off a flight like that. That was bizarre. Um, but yeah, the cast is funny. Um, across the board, Rob Reiner was really funny. The stuff with the tiramisu and Tom Hanks isn't doesn't know what it is. And he thinks it's like some sex act. That stuff was really funny. Their interactions, you felt like they were really friends. Um, yeah.
1: but, I did feel like him and Rob Reiner were more friends than him and Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Um, but I was just like Dave Chappelle's character a little bit more.
0: I think... Um, the fingers as well. Rob Reiner only got like two scenes, whereas the all like we said, all the minor characters in you've got Male all had more to do. Steve Zahn's always fucking awesome. I love him. Um, I loved it when they talked about the internet date and he was like, "No, because I can't even date in real life and stuff like that." Or we mentioned Birdie oh, yeah. earlier.
1: Could be him.
0: Yeah, when we we're talking about Birdie earlier when she went, she mentions uh, she tried cybersex once and lost the connection or something. Oh, that was really good. Um, that yeah. entire supporting cast. I, guy that plays Tom Hanks' dad was brilliant. And the way he reacts when he finds out his uh, wife has run off with a nanny, when he talks about all the times he ran off with a nanny, and now that's exactly what she's done is so funny. Um, his dad, who reminisces about Kathleen Kelly's mum a couple of times, and he just repeats the same story because he forgot telling it earlier on. That was great, yeah. But, yeah, I just – I love that cast. I think – from top to bottom, everyone that comes on gives a really good performance, and they're all memorable characters. Like we've already spoken about Parker Paul's here, who's just great. Like cool. she's fucking awesome. I love her. Um, scream free supremacy, like she's fantastic. That's all I can think of is now is that yeah, um, Gail Weather's actress. Um, but yeah, I went 10 down in favor of You've Got Male as well for that reason. I just think the entire cast has more to do, and as a result, it helps elevate the movie. Not to say there wasn't good performances in Sleepless in Seattle, though, because there were some really good ones. But we'll move on then to the best soundtrack, because while most... Sometimes we've done these, and it's been like the scores, but these two movies have just got some really fucking good songs throughout, which I didn't realise going into both, but there were moments where I was like, oh, shit, I know this one, I know this one. Like, some really good songs. Um It's hard, because subjectively, I prefer... The You've got mail soundtrack. So I went 10-9 in favor of You've Got Mail because there was a lot more songs on that where I was like, Oh, I really like this. Like um Stevie Wonder popping up with Side Seal Delivered, um Rockin' Robin coming on. I mean, it wasn't the Jackson Five version, but that's still a great song. Um, there's another one I really like.
1: Yeah, the, the oh. Cranberries um dream.
0: Yeah, Cranberries. Also, that splish splash. I really like that one. Um, <laughs> there were some really good, catchy songs, whereas the Sleetless in Seattle soundtrack. I, I only found this out when I looked into it um, before we recorded. That got to number one on the US charts, like just the official soundtrack when it came out on the album charts. That got to number one, which is crazy. But that also got nominated for best original song for the um, Harry Connick Jr. song, which name slips my mind now. Um, let me double check, because that was an original
1: song I went to nine in favour of you got married as well, but because I couldn't remember a single, I couldn't remember any of the songs. I like the piano in Sleepless in Seattle was really nice. Like it was a lot of like the soundtrack seemed to be like lounge music, like as if the story was being told in a in like a, a bar, like a hotel bar somewhere. <laughs> but, but it was really nice. But the reason, I mean, Science Hill delivered alone. I fucking love that song. That's one of the best openings to a song ever. And the use of cranberry's dream when they're, um, you know, that's I'm pretty sure that's when they walk into work and stuff, and you've got the um, them talk like typing talking over the top of it. Um, But the 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 one reason it tips it, not tips it, because it was going to that anyway, is that Randy Newman's got a song on that soundtrack, and Randy Newman uh, obviously did. You've got a friend in me for Toy Story, and he was Woody. Tom Hanks is Woody.
0: Yeah, that whole soundtrack was just fucking awesome.
1: Um, yeah, for the songs.
0: I did like in Slintless in Seattle. Though, I'd never heard the song, but I recognized the voice immediately from his Christmas song. That's when Nat King Cole came in because he's very synonymous with his Christmas song. His voice is so unique. So when he came through, I, I recognized that immediately. The Harry Connick Jr. song that they wrote specifically for the movie and got nominated for an Oscar was *A Wink and a Smile*, which played when oh, yeah, yeah. they were on the beach. Which is a, that was a really good song as well. Um, I think they both just had really good soundtracks, but yeah, the you've got Mel Wonder's had some bangers that I was much more familiar with. and Like you said, Stevie Wonder, put him on every soundtrack if you ask me. I fucking love Stevie Wonder. I think he's so, such a talented singer and he's got some great songs, so I never dislike hearing him come into a movie. Um, so yeah, that was another easy one for me, 10-9 in favour of that. Uh, and you said the same. Easy peasy. Yeah. We've got one last category then. And that is the legacy okay. of the two movies, how they've been remembered, the way the movies hold up, and a sense a sense, but also how we feel about them as well, that has to play a part. But this one's difficult because
1: neither of us care.
0: Yeah. And also, <laughs> yeah. like for me personally, I'll say it now, I think you've got males a better film. Yeah. I think it's better. I prefer the I prefer pretty much most of it, but in terms, if you ask, I think 90, 100 people, I think 95 probably say Sleepless in Seattle, which is bizarre, but that's regarded as like a qu- like one of the best rom-coms. And it's a lot of people, because I listened to a couple of uh, The Ringer podcasts earlier this week about both movies just in preparation. And they were saying unanimously in there that Sleepless in Seattle is regarded as the better film as well, and they they pretty much agree. I can't quite get my head behind it, but... Yeah. That's where the legacy seems to be, and it's. I think it got better reviews when it came out. Um,
1: let's have a look what modern people think, what those young kids think. I'm going to look on that box at what each have been scored at the average score for both. Would you say carry on talking?
0: Yeah, that's fine. Um, I was also going to check the Rotten Tomato score, but I can't see that.
1: We're just going to both be quiet for a second, whilst. Well,
0: no, so the Rotten Tomatoes score, because I already looked at you, but mail earlier. Sleepers in Seattle got seventy-five percent positive, and you've got mail got seventy percent positive, so it beat it in that as well.
1: Uh, you've got mail on um, Letterbox averages at three point five stars, and Sleepless in Seattle averages at three point four. Oh, so that's closer. Not when I rated it. Sleeps in Seattle got a 2.5 2. and you've got me, I've got a 3. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you, I think you're right in that a lot more people, I mean, I rated it, I went 10-9 in favour of Sleepers in Seattle because for some reason, unbeknownst to me, it is regarded as one of the classics, one of the all-time bests. I think if you ask, if you was to do any kind of poll on um best rom coms of all time. Sleepless in Seattle will always be either in the top three or not, if not number one. Uh when we all know it should be crazy stupid love. Um no I'll tell you what it's gonna be fucking when Harry met Sally, let me tell you that right now. can't wait for that episode. because You might seen... like Meg Ryan in that. I've seen that one scene. Uh yeah. yeah. Um, any any notes? <laughs> a few. <laughs> a few <I> are maybe <laughs> um uh But yeah, I think like for some reason, Sleepless in Seattle is is looked on a lot nicer, uh, a lot more fondly. And I think it obviously we talk about legacy and how much of an impact it's made for Sleepless in Seattle to do so well that they went, yeah, we need another film with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan um, because the chemistry was unbelievable, even though they're hardly in the film. Like it. It obviously has some kind of legacy to make people want to see that and want to make that. And obviously, you've got male. I think he's just. As, I don't. know, it's not just as popular. I think probably aged a lot better than Sleepy since Seattle has. But I don't think, like you say in our conversation, somebody's going to pick you've got male over Sleepy since Seattle, which is madness because it's it is the better film. Only in my eyes by 0.5 of a star, but it is such. It is a lot better film than. In fact, no, I don't ever do it so I'm not going to start now. I was going to say I was going to go back and lower my score for Sleepless in Seattle, but I'm not going to do it unless I do a rewatch, which I still don't change scores for. So, <laughs> but in fact, I think in terms of legacy, unfortunately, it's Sleepless in Seattle.
0: Yeah, I said the same. I went 10-9 in favour of that because the legacy has, for some reason, held up more for that and it is remembered much more fondly for some reason. Do you think maybe that's because it was an original movie and it was quite unlike anything we'd seen from rom-coms before with the fact they were separated. Whereas you've got mail was a remake of a very much beloved movie from the forties with one of the greatest actors in the history of fucking cinema in James Stewart.
1: (laughs) Just get my James
0: Stewart shout out in there. God bless him. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Um, it obviously bit, people have there's always been this disdain towards remakes so maybe i don't know i'm trying to make excuses for why it's not remembered as fondly because it should be i think you've got mail is
1: oh funny puberty i think you've got mail is definitely more traditional rom-com with less risks i think your big twist in you've got mail is the use of the internet and email which was probably at the time very very novel or revolutionary i don't know when did The Matrix come out? A year after, a year or two after, so it's fine. Because um, I'm comparing You've Got Mail to The Matrix. Um, right. Similar films. Very similar, to be honest. Uh, I can just see um, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks' as Trinity and Neo. Um, Tom Hanks
0: will make it through the first fucking film. Joe Fox was cutting the bar.
1: I'll take the blue pill. <laughs> that was a terrible Tom Hanks impression. <laughs> it um, was. It was. Um, but, yeah... I, I think Sleepy Sincere does take more risks with its storytelling and what have you. I also think I bet I'm willing to put money on more people have met on a blind date at the top of the Empire State Building than in some random garden in New York. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't argue with that. Like, meet me on the top of L- uh, Empire State Building. I bet they're booked up. And Like the guy at the uh, who's working at the Empire State Building, and he says, what's the... Uh, uh, Fair to remember, is it? Yeah, the Cary Grant film, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, an affair fair to remember. She's like, yeah. I bet that's what they're like, oh, fuck, Sleepless in Seattle, yeah, fucking corn. Just... Yeah, yeah, probably. Don't, um, don't wipe your fingers on the walls afterwards, Christ.
0: <laughs> but I also think maybe because it was, like, one of Nora Ephron's first films she directed, because she'd written so many before, maybe that's another reason why it's been remembered so because well, it really kicked launched her career in that sense. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. We both went 10-9. I've got the final scores here. I think it's pretty obvious which way this is going.
1: Um, yeah. So I don't know what you mean, because I've, I've thrown out a lot of low scores. So actually, it could be either, and just be both really low. Well, they're not actually too low, to be fair. The
0: winner with 191 is You've Got Mail, whereas Sleepless in Seattle has 185. So six six points in it. Um, it felt like there should have been more actually because it feels like we're really, really down on Sleeveless
1: in Seattle it Feels like there definitely should have been more um, <laughs> you've, got, you've Got Mail is the better film out of the two and yeah. the two, if I had to rewatch watch like if it's on, I would probably rather re rewatch You've Got Mail
0: You should just do yourself a favour and watch The Shop Around the Corner instead with uh, James Stewart, it's much better It's a Christmas film though,
1: Saturdays so Christmas Wait till next year, sorry
0: Yeah, C- great yeah. film
1: I watch it now, it's February nearly. Is it February? Yeah. Is
0: it oh yeah, it's February now, yes, because it's the first of February. Yeah, yeah, it's the first right now, yeah. Um before we go then, I just noticed when I was like looking into it. Have you seen the fucking run that Tom Hanks went on in that 90s with that? After like just before he did this film, mm-hmm. he obviously had Saving Private Ryan the year before. Year mm-hmm. before that, he directed and starred in one of the greatest fucking films of all time in that thing you do. He had Toy Story He had Forrest Gump He had Philadelphia He had Sleeper's in Seattle Like That so, motherfucker
1: was, was Somewhat of a run
0: Booked and busy With some fucking Big Big dogs Like I don't think we've seen anything
1: like that in a long time I think No Probably not I'm trying No to- one really gets that sort of run anymore No I mean You get people I think you get people that are like Oh We like you We'll put you in absolutely everything because we've seen that with pedro pascal a little bit now and we'll probably get it from that guy who was in top gun and in that film that's glenn true. powell we'll probably get that with glenn powell as well yeah but they're not as much as i hate to say because i do love him they're not movie stars uh, pedro not glenn powell I can't get a fuck about him um but they're not movie stars they just I don't know it doesn't well this conversation has been done to death but like nobody feels like movie stars outside of probably tom cruise i'd in say way. leo's in there as well yeah actually i would agree with that but even like tom hanks doesn't feel like a movie star like back then he felt like not tra- when he's doing elvis no back he feels like a traditional movie star in the 90s like you look you talk about all them films you're like fuck yeah I remember, like, even as a kid, I remember, like, people talking about them. And as you're growing up, you're like, these are still fucking big movies. So, but I just don't think you get that as much anymore. No, it's just sad, really. But not really with actresses, even, really because again, with actresses, it's that same, oh, we like you, we'll stick you in absolutely everything um until people are sick of you. Like, that's what happened with Jennifer Lawrence. Like, yeah. liked, people didn't. Same happened with Chris Pratt liked me until they didn't it's just especially like with a twitter agent or ex-agent stuff it just takes one tiny small comment for everybody to turn on you and all of a sudden you're not really seeing as much anymore i think mean, it's a bit, a bit sad really we don't really have proper movie stars anymore
0: i think the closest we've got in terms of a, uh, of a woman being like a global movie star is probably margot robbie mm-hmm. i feel like every time she's in something it's a big deal
1: i was literally just about to say margot robbie
0: She's, she's, I
1: mean, she's incredible. Um, but yeah, Not death Oscar of movies, nominee. apparently. Not Oscar nominated worthy. No, when,
0: she, when was the last time She actually got nominated? Because she didn't get nominated for Babylon last year, either, which is a fucking crime. No idea. It's been a while, I guess. It's been a long time. Fuck knows. Maybe that I, Tonya, which I've never seen in the ice skating one. Maybe. I don't know no. if she got nominated for that, but fuck knows. Um, but yeah, that brings this another episode to an end then. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of RomCom com 1. We've got several more films for Nathan to watch and lose his mind over in the next few weeks. It's going to be very, very entertaining for me to watch. Um, if you did like this video slash podcast, then f- please feel free to like and subscribe on YouTube or uh, subscribe to the channel and leave us a review on any of the podcast channels. All our information is below if you want to find us on anything else. Uh Letterbox and X. I think you're still ahead of me on films.
1: Um as of well, this will be first of February. This so is So January's over. How many did you Did you reach 31? That I can tell you exactly how many I reach because it's February now and I if no, it's we're recording on Tuesday. This goes on So all I need to do is watch a film when we finish this and then watch a film before I go to work tomorrow and I'll have averaged out thirty one movies for January. Not bad at and all. And then I can take it easy. And then I can just take it easy, I think. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to try and average out one a day forever. But I'm for as long as possible. My minimum for this year is 200 movies not that I've not logged on Letterboxd. New watches. Yeah, well, not new watches. There'll be films I've seen before, but I, I don't... We've talked about it loads. I don't log it if I've already watched it on Letterboxd. So mm. every film that's on my Letterboxd is a new log. So... I'm trying. I want to get a minimum two hundred, which I've still got another 24, 23 Godzilla movies to do, so that could probably do it. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. That's that's
0: randomly. I know we, we're getting off on a tangent already. How's the Godzilla watch going? Because I haven't spoke to you about it. yet. You made you have quite a few since you've mentioned. I genuinely
1: bring my Godzilla up. I genuinely thought that. <laughs> You um, Vito Corleone and the Godfather with his cat. See, you say that, I was thinking Doctor Evil. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that I'd watch a couple with them being old and cheesy and be like, I'm bored of this now. But I'm on my ninth one and still absolutely loving it. Though absolutely everybody who's ever seen them and that's two people that I know of, have, um, have told me the next one is the worst one. So I'm like, I've put that one off for a couple of days. So I need to get that one out of the way, so I can get back to the fun, good stuff. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really fucking enjoying it. I think it's like 38, 39. I think the one that's coming out is this year is a 39th one. So there's 38. Well, no, because I've watched all the American ones. So in total, there would be 34 that I'd have never seen before, and I've got through nine of them. So that's good progress. Looking great progress. I don't know what I'm going to do after that. I feel like I need to do another big one I ain't doing King Kong fuck that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know how many times I can see a monkey climb a tower and die I know yeah they don't really do anything new with that do they
0: um, but yeah enough of that tangent um, we'll be back next week when we are well into February I'll be back at uni by then which is kind of sad had oh, a nice break away
1: well 30 Huh? it'll be episode 30 next week oh yeah Big one. 28 we've done together.
0: Yeah, it's a big one next week. To commemorate the anniversary, the milestone, 30. We've got a decent episode lined up, so we hope to see you guys there. Uh, and thank you for watching this one. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Wrong Month. And I hope you look forward to watching Nathan's Spiral throughout the uh, next few weeks.
1: The fact that we're ending on a Meg Ryan film is going to break me.
0: Yeah, but that's the thing, though, because that's, like, regarded as the best rom-com of all time, and she is definitely not a dickhead in that one.
1: Okay, we'll see. So,
0: There's that. Well, we if do. you find something over in that, then it's a you problem, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair play. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, right, peace out, guys. We'll see you next week. Up my grind. Not in the good way, though.